please, please. By definition alone, they're inferior films. It's bullshit generalization. Many sequels have surpassed their original. Oh, yeah? Name one. Spiritual sequel pod in a podcast far, far away. <laughs> Sc- a scroll? We have a scroll that's coming down. We have an auditory scroll. You Did you realize people are already lining up to see this movie? It's coming out Friday, right? Twentieth, twentieth. Yeah, I guess there might be a. Th- I think there's an event on tomorrow, so maybe there. Well, the premiere is tomorrow. They had the premiere. Oh, yesterday. I wonder if they have a movie theater at the new Star Wars world in Disneyland. Isn't there like a whole Star Wars land hotel yeah, place? I don't know if they would have it. I feel like you're supposed to feel like you're in Star Wars, not watch watching Star Wars. them. Yeah, that would that would defeat it. What Nervous. a meta commentary that would be. That I would be like uh, Adam Driver's character in the report who watches Zero Dark Thirty in the movie about how Zero Dark Thirty is not really journalism. It's like you said, it's Playing the movie with... you're thinking about while you're watching the report. Yes. Because and you're like, he's oh. watching it. And you're like, wait, he's watching the movie that we're also thinking about? Yes. Because Kelsey, he is trying to counteract this false CIA narrative that they admitted to, but then are now hiding the evidence that yeah. they lied about the torture actually leading to Osama bin Laden. And in Zero Dark Thirty is like the CIA narrative played out. And it's acting as if this is... This is the real story. It's like this is the story we were told, and then found out was a lie. And now you're telling it to us. Oh no 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 no! That wasn't a lie. <laughs> so speak, speaking of Adam Driver, wait 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 wait! I don't want to move on from that yet. That's a, you you just tapped into a funny idea. Oh, it would be great if we watched more movie characters watching the movie you're thinking about. What if James Bond gets to Skyfall, his childhood home, and before he comes up with that Home Alone? Oh, he's watching Home Alone. He's like sitting there watching it with Albert Finney. Him, Judy Dench, and Albert Finney are watching Home Alone. And then oh. one of them, the camera pushes in, and Bond's like, I've got an idea. And then they start setting all those little booby traps for Javier Bardem. That'd what be kind great. of accent was that? Huh? What kind of accent was that? That was an interesting... That was my James Bond. No. Whoa. I've got an idea. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. I've got an idea. I'm I guess Bond. any James Bond you should start with Bond. James Bond, and then go from there. You can't just start out of the blue. Has there been in a Bond movie, so, uh, a Bond watching a movie? I would imagine, which if there was one, we're not Bond historians, you know? Yeah. This isn't James Bonding podcast. No. But if you had to guess, if, you, if there was a gambling and you had to make a bet on which Bond watched another movie in their own Bond movie. And which movie did they watch? No, the, no, the movie, we'd, we'd have to be Bond historians. I mean, which Bond? We no, know, but I'd like there's only guess. like six Bonds, right? So that narrows it down. Not 50 movies you have to decide from. Well, de- definitely not Timothy Dalton. He His character seems to never have seen a movie, right? I can't picture him sitting still long enough to watch a movie. I actually think he would have been my first pick. Really? I feel like he would have said something. It would have been on in the background of his hotel room, and he would have like said some smug, some smug line ah. about it. Yeah, because he was so serious, right? The Roger Moore doesn't make sense to be watching a movie because he's already campy. You don't right. need to add that. But it, 
Dalton seems like he would make commentary on the movie. He'd be like, Ugh. see, I picture Brosnan would do that. I feel like Pierce Brosnan would be watching the Thomas Crown Affair. Look, you know what would be great? If he's watching the old Steve McQueen Tom, Thomas, Thomas Crown Affair and he's like, I could do that. Well, this sounds seems like the things you want. Yeah. You're like, this should have been in these James Bond movies. This isn't you actually making well, a Well, I'm bet. not a gambling man, no. Yeah. More also, than likely, if you were going to bet just is there or isn't there, you'd say no. no. I'm Sh- Sean Connery, when he's in that hotel in, I want to say it's Goldfinger. He's in a hotel. Remember, he they cut to him and he's got the baby blue suit. It's like tiny shorts and a shirt. It's all baby blue and it's made out of like terry cloth. You don't remember this? It's, it looks like a Miami. I just want you to pool. get to the. What, what is he watching? And why does this. <laughs> you, to, you said originally not what he's watching, just if he's watching a movie. You think in that scene he's watching something? Well, there's a hotel room. See, I feel like. Okay. That hotel room I could see having a TV on. That has to be Goldfinger because it's when. Yeah, he sleeps with the woman and she wakes up. He wakes up and she's covered all. She's naked, covered all in gold. Ah, anyway. Well, this is not a podcast on characters <laughs> in movies, watching movies. But I was going to lead it into Adam Driver's in the report. And we're watch- We're going to watch Star Wars, the new ninth movie. We are, by the way. I am Frost. I'm Carter. We are the Jansen Brothers. This is the Spiritual Sequel Podcast. We defend sequels. Even when they're not great, there's something in there that's valuable. And they're still worth making. This is a really good example, actually. I'm happy we're doing this. I'm not a big Star Wars fan, but I'm happy we're doing this movie in particular because I just revisited all three trailers from this new series mm-hmm. with The Force Awakens, Last Jedi, and this. Even having not seen this new one, The Rise of Skywalker, just watching because I did not like Last Jedi one bit. I love Ryan Johnson. Love his movies. I love the attempt. I think it's... Courage- <sighs> you don't think it's courageous that the whole movie is basically like commenting on toxic fandom and commenting on critiquing all of the star Wars movies before. Do you think it's commenting on that or just trying to zag when you're expecting it to, well, you're, I mean the, the problem with the Star Wars movies is you're really not expecting them to zig even, right? It's, that's what he's saying is I know what you guys want as fans, Mm -hmm. but it's not my job to give you what you want. Even his theory is you don't really want what you you don't know you don't want it yet, if that makes sense. He has a quote. I could read his the quote here. It's yeah, probably go a good time it. actually. Go for it, because actually, it's really a, an interesting case with both movies. Because you have Abrams who goes so close to the original three that they critique him for not doing anything new, and then Ryan Johnson goes as radically different as you could go, and they critique him for going too far into the new and basically for critiquing the franchise while making a movie about it. It seemed like they thought he was not in love with the characters. And I, to me though, he, he was kind of just poo pooing the mythology of it, which is what I didn't like, but it's funny because again, I'm not a big star Wars fan even to begin with, but there's, you know, we have, gods and it's like that old roman mythology we've we had this space mythology and he seemed to be like yeah hmm. it's all normal it's not let's let's get rid of it it's just so interesting because you're so you don't like star wars 
and you don't like mythology and yet you are behold you're like how could he throw away the mythology that's a good point for me it's execution it has nothing to do with i think the idea that uh a religion goes off the rails is prescient that's constant we always are dealing with religions that get they get too dogmatic about their doctrines and then next thing you know they've lost what they really believe in and are like these Jedi aren't actually as good at what they're saying they are good at. They're almost like the people in underground six where they're like, we're the good guys and they're the bad guys. Yeah. It's like, why are you guys the good guys? You seem to be doing a lot of innocent murder. And they're like, because we said we're good. So believe us when we say we're good. Jedi are good. It's like, no, not inherently. Not if it's funny because what you're saying, I agree with and you're right. My my reasons for not liking Last Jedi should not hold true based off my beliefs. And yet, but like I I don't like religion, but I love religious movies. There's something about what he does and Ryan Johnson does in The Last Jedi that it just makes everything feel very insignificant mm-hmm. and kind of like lower the stakes and pull the rug out. But you're right. It's, uh, it's an interesting thing. I, I thought it was more an example. I agree with you with the execution where, because I'm a firm proponent of it takes a certain skill to make popcorn crowd-pleasing movies. You know, they don't get the kind of... I mean, that's part of what we're doing on this podcast, right? Is is trying to highlight how skilled it is to do these kind of particular movies, whether it's action movies or just crowd-pleasing spectacles, right? Or to even build a movie, trying to build movies that have, you know, begin, middle, and end, but then also have to be like the beginning of something that has a right. begin, middle, and end over three movies. Yeah. Is a challenge. Wait, what was, what's, what, tell me what Ryan Johnson says, because I want to yeah, do this. digest this. Even my experience as a fan, you know, if I'm coming into something, even if it's something that I think I want, if I see exactly what I think I want on the screen, it's like, oh, okay. It might make me smile. It might make me feel neutral about the thing, and I won't really think about it afterwards, but that's not really going to satisfy me. I want to be shocked. I want to be surprised. I want to be thrown off guard. I want to have things recontextualized. I want to be challenged as a fan when I sit down in the theater. What I'm aiming for every time I sit down in a theater is to have the experience with Empire Strikes Back. Something that's emotionally resonant and feels like it connects up and makes sense and really gets to the heart of what this thing is and in a way that I never could have seen coming. Again, I I think he's so much, he's much smarter than Abrams and especially as much more of a craftsman with story. Yeah. And like you could feel that in what Last Jedi is. But it's just like there is the execution element. And I think he made some flaws. One with uh, Boyega's characters being off on that casino planet, his whole storyline, Poe Cameron, Dameron, whatever his name is. He's huh? never, he was never really interesting in the first movie and was kind of forgotten. And in this one, they try to give him more to do, but he's not interesting. That whole, all this actual fighting in battle with the starships isn't very interesting. Oh. Kylo Ren and Carrie Fisher's whole thing wasn't as interesting as Han Solo in the first movie. And, and Laura Dern, on Laura Dern with her purple hair is the yeah. best part of this. <laughs> yeah. This is boring. I don't know. That whole part it's is boring. Cause even, even something like one of the highlights of the last Jedi is when Ray and Kylo Ren are fighting all the ninja spacemen in the end. And in it's that, that red room, room yeah. and the yes. throne room and they're flipping and spinning. And, but even that's not suspenseful. It's just kind of beautiful to look at, but it's not an exhilarating action scene, right? 
I think this is part of the I problem. I like the, with the scene. Execution. I don't know if I like the action necessarily. The action kind of felt like it was going more for how it looked and less that's like impact. Or JJ's impact in that first movie, that fight between Kylo and Ray at the end is like big. Yeah. You know, you really feel it. JJ, uh, the, when I saw this trailer, the first thing I thought was, ah, it's good to have JJ back. You know? Partially. Partially. Because, again, he's probably going to recycle the Return of the Jedi in this one, like he did with Force Awakens, which was the weakest element of the first. Well, he said Ryan Johnson's, the way Ryan Johnson veered forced him to make some choices he wouldn't otherwise have made. Well, I and mean, I look at it a little differently. It sounds like he just retconned everything that Ryan Johnson changed. Really? We'll see. We'll see, we'll see oh. if that actually is true. But but you, you even commented caught... visually, didn't yes. you think immediately like, oh, this is what this is supposed to look and feel like. It just looks so much more epic, doesn't it? He he fits the music more. Yeah. Last Jedi, I didn't really feel like the music hit the same way it normally does. In a, and that's, I, I think, the number one strength of Star Wars. Is the music, yeah. Is the combination of music and visuals. I don't think people realize how important music is. There's some classic movies I watch, and I'm like, I think if you have a different score, this this isn't. I mean, I guess you could say that about any element of a movie, you know? If you... Change yes. out one uh-huh. puzzle piece with, a, you know, if you take out one cinematographer and put another guy, that's not the same movie. But a lot of people would agree that it's some of the best, the best element of it. But it's not the only, like, I think the world itself is incredible. Like, George Lucas is incredibly creative. The, the ideas he meshed with the world outside, all the characters are interesting. The constantly, even in the, the newer trilogy, the prequel trilogy, there's Darth Maul, there's just the whole, all these planets they're going to. It's, the lightsaber in general is just genius. When I see that now, I'm mm-hmm. still like, wow. And the colors. All yeah. you're doing is just a sword, but it's like a laser and it's colored. It's so simplistic, but it's so genius too. Then the, the smartest thing he did is he mixes philosophy, politics, and Buddhism religion, which you don't normally see in big budget movies or any movies really. For the most part, Hollywood would preach yeah, you know, Christian judeo yeah philosophy so it's interesting that your characters are doing these buddhism principles but then they're not actually using them a lot of articles have commented i read online about how the philosophy of the jedi is constantly dealing about self-defense and violence to protect Mm. others and that that's not actually like the buddhist way necessarily but But could that, that be a commentary on human beings Maybe, Two. but no, I think it's just a flaw in the Jedi way. And that those, the, oh. those movies weren't actually realizing how flawed it is, but that The Last Jedi is commenting on that. And that's like one of the strengths of that movie is like even in the end, the Luke character doesn't go and fight. He creates like a diversion for everybody to, to oh. escape. Interesting. There's elements that I like but again, in Last that Jedi. that is like not as cinematic, right? Where you're like, oh, Ryan Johnson, I like where your head is at. But that doesn't make for a very cinematic climax. I, I I don't actually think that's the case. I think it's where they are, how long it feels to get to that point. I remember just being like, oh, this isn't the end of the movie. I thought the throne room would be the end. Yeah. And then just the, all the scenes with Poe Dameron and Boyega are just take you away from the Ray and Kylo stuff. And it's like, I almost feel like that could just be the whole movie. And the other characters just aren't in this one. Like it doesn't need to be yeah. an ensemble. I feel like that's actually slowing you guys down a little bit. And because you're like, well, the original trilogy was an ensemble, so this one has to be one too. And you're like, no, no, no. 
Well, and Force Awakens is like, well, what do we do with these other characters yes. that we have? It seems to be actually hurting them. Yeah. Yeah. I we what did you think? So, because uh, we're gonna talk about the trailer reactions, we've already kind of started. One of the trailers for this, uh, the second one, starts with all these shots and clips from the old, from the original trilogy, and then the second one, which I guess is actually part one, two, and three, right? What did you think doing it that way? I thought while I was watching that, it feels like a different set of movies. They just look so completely different. I have trouble connecting them, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? As It doesn't feel like a cohesive series. Because it's not. Yeah. I mean, it's they're very so, 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 so different. This it's is tough. funny. The- that's the tough part because I really don't like the legacy characters in the new I, it's weird they like, did that. I, I was just this is what I was just about to say was, it's funny that they're they did a reboot, but then also we're like it's also a sequel, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. they're basically making the first one again, like you said, was kind of the criticism. But it's also a sequel. That's the weakest part. If they just kind of did it as a rebooted remake, like, no one was related to anybody. And, yeah, hmm. starting all over. You're right. I did like Han's c- death, but that's so much of it is carried by how great I think Driver is at, as Kylo. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's phenomenal in the first one. And then I just get disappointed when the second one, how I thought Ray and, Bo- and Boyega Finn character has like a dynamic there. And then he, she has like some chemistry, sexual tension with Adam driver. So then it's like, Oh, perfect. Love right, triangle. Right. Set up the love triangle for the sequel. And, and they're butting heads. And the whole, the whole part of the second movie, uh, the first movie is that Finn is a, a traitor. Remember, he used to be part of, yeah, 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 the first order with Kylo Ren, right? So it's like you're just gonna f- f- drop that, yeah, and not have any of that. Those three needed to be the three, yeah, and, and then you're everyone right. else needed to just be like, no, 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 you can be like a bit player, but right. you're not really. We don't really care about your emotional or character arc. It's just no, and you're really right because what part of what elevates Force Awakens for me is regardless of all the criticism, the casting of Boyega and Daisy Ridley and their chemistry together, their dynamic, as you said, is so, was so strong. Mm. I know to, to abandon that for the sequel and then try to have him have the, uh, a little romance oh my God. with somebody else we haven't even introduced to at this point. It's like, wait, no, but we liked him with Ridley. And even if they weren't going to have a lovey dovey relationship, cause they almost had, Friendly, yeah, an unorthodox like, kind of dynamic where uh-huh. you couldn't quite tell, and maybe they're great. just going to be friends. But that's great. It's mysterious. We don't yeah, know. yeah. Well, it looks like they're back together again in this, and I think they've guaranteed that, right? They've promised it. Who? The filmmakers or the actors? No, who is back together? Oh, Boyega and Ridley are they going to be in scenes together again this time? Oh, okay. I thought you meant because I was hearing that they were thinking of Oscar Isaac and Boyega being gay together. What? Really? Yeah. Oh. That's what that's what Oscar Isaac wanted. Or that was like in, I don't know who oh. pitched. I don't know what was going on with that. But I don't even remember them even interacting together. No, he, remember he like wears his jacket in the first movie and he's like, oh, I'm like a, he feels like, oh, I'm a oh. celebrity resistance fighter. Remember, that's what Ray likes about him. She's like, oh, wow, you're like a huh. resistance fighter. This is cool. Oh, All yeah. that stuff is dropped yeah. in the next. Because by then, Boyega's like, oh, no, I'm part of the resistance. Or no, no, wait, maybe I'm not. I'm not sure. I don't know. It's like. What did you think with the trailers? So the first one is the one, is that the one where it ends with the emperor from the f- first six laughing, right? Maniacally. That sounds right. 
a part of me bringing him in this late clearly not a part of any plan they can they always say that there is a plan you know like even george lucas i'll read a quote later from a 1983 book is talking about the third trilogy of this series and you're like there's no way like he's a smart guy but there's no way like what he was seeing or i don't know it's just it seems late in the game to add this character and it seems like they're just doing it to stitch all the nine together when you've just made two in a row that don't seem anything anything alike what character are you referring to the emperor the guy laughing oh what's he the emperor of or what is that what's the significance of this person i mean he's like the major character and we haven't been introduced to him though i mean i guess he's barely in the first trilogy he's only in the sixth one this is palpatine is it yes oh emperor palpatine yeah okay but he's in a lot of the first the first or prequel trilogy so he's not the guy who died and they brought back peter cushing is he and what is that, Rogue One? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. no, 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 different guy. That guy's like a nobody. Yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, he's like a general or something. Okay, Palpatine, the Emperor. I mean, I guess he's in the. F- then now it just feels like they're repeating again the tr- first trilogy, or the, the middle trilogy now, the the first movies. By having him show up, because Return of the Jedi is when you really get to d- to deal with the Emperor. Before that, you've only thought Darth Vader was the tip of the spear, or like the the head. Right, hunter. so he's wor- Darth Vader. Really, is working for this Emperor, and you see him in little like holograms and stuff, but you don't really. Oh need yeah, him yeah, yeah. Until returning, so maybe I guess they're trying to mirror that, but then it just. Well, I thought one of doesn't the feel that, original, and that's what I feel like what Lucas likes the most. But one of the things that struck me, though, you obviously took away a lot more from the trailer, the teaser, was they really didn't show any story. In the first three trailers, I just rewatched the third one. Even then, you're they're not really, they don't give away any of what's happening or how it's unfolding. No, no. I mean, I think they want you to try to figure it out. Yeah. And get you interested in people talking. It seems very designed for social media. Like the fact that they have the mm-hmm. laugh to end it and then the other one has the ending with, did you see, you saw Evil Ray. Evil yeah, Ray. Yeah, yeah. And you're just like. Most people think it's like I didn't a even, vision or something. But I didn't um, even pay attention to that. I, I saw it. I actually saw it in your notes. And when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, I don't know why. <laughs> because she's got the hood and it's kind of darkened. It's so fast. I didn't even, my mind didn't even like process it or comprehend it that way. But were you like, huh? How does that work? Or were you like, ah, it's probably nothing. It's probably I, just a tease for the trailer. And it'll well, be- my feelings with these was, I'm so, I'm like, I, the imagery alone. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Music. Uh-huh. The second trailer in particular does such a good job with the theme when it comes in. Or actually, I think it's the third one. This is the one with that? I love that beautiful iceberg shot with the reflection it's in the water. The third one, and then there's that throne room chair. It looks CGI, but it looks yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. And the music's like really evil and. Powerful. And then when Ridley hugs Carrie Fisher, and it's this nice, hmm. glowing shot. You know, and there's a little J.J. Abrams lens flare. And they cut from one to the other, and the music really swells. Then, yeah, to me it was I was hooked. I thought with this one again. People, I feel like, talked about this with Last Jedi. Where it's like, what if you just didn't market it at all? What if you're just like, there's a new Star Wars movie coming out? You know? Like, we're there. We're going. I wonder, and is it different? This is one thing I want to talk about with Rise of the Skywalker. Because there was a time when a Star Wars movie really was an event. Hmm. You know? Yeah. And then we had Solo and Rogue One. And it, they've really been diluting the brand. Mm-hmm. You know? And Last Jedi wasn't that well received. So that's what I'm curious about this one. 
it still feels like an event again. I mean, that's why the previews seem to be effective. And they're building it up as the last one, and people are like, oh, yeah, I can't believe yeah. this is this is the last time I'm going to see Star Wars and those themes and the music and everything in, in the theaters. And you're like, no, you're not. They're going to keep doing yeah. this. What are you talking about? This the Mandalorian's the on TV, for God's sakes. You know, Tune yeah. into Disney Plus to see yeah. every week. There always going to be a break. I know Kathleen Kennedy said there's like three year. 2021 will probably be the next Star Wars movie. They I, don't, should, I don't actually think they're diluting the brand at all, actually. I don't agree with that narrative. No? Because Marvel's not diluting their brand by having four movies a year or whatever. Mm, that's a good point. They're strengthening it. Prime, but, but Star Wars is diluting the legacy. Mm. They're, few, they're, they're trying to fuel the movies off of that when instead of creating new... I mean, and they have done it too effectively with Ray and Kylo to create new fans and new characters that you yeah. like. I, but even Rogue One and Solo, the the thing I didn't like about that was it didn't it doesn't they don't have any freedom now they don't have like now they have all the freedom because who knows what they're gonna do next but before if they if those Rogue One and Solo are original tales about characters we've never heard of in other parts of the galaxy yeah you go oh well they'll they should keep building on those and then they have something already it's kind of like developing a prospect in sports while you already have a all star. You're like, what, what, wait, even if he gets old, we still got this other guy right? who can fill in the gaps. And if he gets hurt, whatever. And then they can play side by side. It's great. We have them together. But now they're kind of like they pushed all their chips in. So now it's like uh, restart completely. Now, the smart thing they did, which I actually mentioned to you before. was Which is kind of where Marvel's at really quick. After Avengers now. Right. No, but I think they already have. Legacy. Like, chips are in. Eh. I mean, when I we go to see have Eternals a, and things, we, who knows what that is? I know, but I just feel like they've already built up so many of their people that they can get. Yeah, I get. Anybody who's going to show up and be like, "Oh, that's the Marvel brand," and they yeah, they, but they even make without, these little characters into something. But so. even without Iron Man or Spider Man showing up, like this Eternals that's coming out, I don't think anyone's ever heard of that comic or knows what that is. It doesn't feel directly related brand wise aside mm-hmm. from being called marvel to the avengers right mm-hmm. i mean yeah, I, you're right no i guess it is in theory yeah disney overall is pushing this year to be like the the year of years oh right they're having avengers endgame and the last star wars are all the the chips are all in they already broke their own box office record for year oh, of course yeah so Pixar too with the Incredibles too was this year, right? Yeah. Another superhero movie. <laughs> Even Pixar is doing the superheroes. Getting off the whole overall all the movies, Disney strategy. I think it's interesting that they built I mean not intentionally fully, but that they had JJ Abrams as the first person to make the Force Awakens. People pleaser. Wants the fans to get what they... He wants to give them the cake. Yeah. Fans get the cake, don't like the cake. They say, I already had this cake. I want a new cake. Or you can make the same cake again, right? Then you get Ryan Johnson who yeah. says, Oh, you think you're eating cake? It's mud. You know why it's mud? Because everything that you love is... You're holding it too dear and I'm challenging you. I'm giving you all the critiques of what you've seen before. And the fans go, Fuck you, don't critique my shit. You know, how dare you? This is, this is, this is my life. So it's negative. You have positive, negative. Finish it off with J.J. Abrams. Get your cake again. It's actually, 
a smart way of giving criticism. They say that you have to sandwich it. You don't just give somebody a negative thing because they react offensively. Uh. Instead, you start with something positive. It's a psycho- psychological coaching trick to be like, it's not a trick. I'm sorry, yeah, it's yeah. like a, a way of making it so the person will learn something but doesn't destroy their confidence fully. So you're just like, hey, let me tell you something positive. You did really great. When you said that, that, and that, that was amazing. And then they say, but remember when you're, you know, and then you get the negative thing. Oh, yeah, and totally. then the last thing you end with is, but, but man, you, you keep going like this? And you point out one last thing. That's what they're doing. They're sandwiching two people, two two people pleaser movies, and in between, the opposite. Yeah. But I wonder if they're just going. Does it make it just you think Star Wars fans will never be happy? Or well, well that's the interesting thing is about J.J. Abrams is uh, I I really like him for these movies because I mean. Like I said, I'm not like that huge of a Star Wars fan, and I found I really liked Force Awakens. I really like the look of this new preview. I feel like he's very good at making these sort of things palatable. I thought he did the same thing with the first Star Trek. Mm-hmm. It's like I didn't like that show or any of the old movies, and I really liked that first Chris Pine one, you know. And the second one I didn't like, but that was more because of the writing was dumb. Yeah, I don't think I it mean, was his fault. No, it wasn't completely, but. The thing that he's really good at, and it's funny because he just looks like a nerdy looking dude, but he's like makes nerd things cool. Yeah. Like look cool and be like, whoa, fuck yeah. That's all And he makes oh. them accessible. I think yes. I said palatable, but accessible is usually the word that I like. It, for somebody that feels like this is nerdy and geeky and I don't understand this world very mm-hmm. well. Right. He, he does a very good job of like holding your hand and leading you in and making it feel cool and fun. What did you think about? So this third one was supposed to be directed by Colin Trevorrow, Trevorrow, and they yanked him, Kathleen Kennedy. She's like uh, the Daryl Morey of the Daryl Morey of. If she was a GM in sports, she's just making just be like, oh, you know what? I like you. You're on my team. Nope, nope. You're off. Get out of here. Yeah. You. Sorry, Chris Paul. You're gone. She's making moves left and right. She's taking the mo- the movie's done. She's like, I'm taking you. It's not your movie anymore. Rogue One or Solo. Lord and Miller, get out of here. I'm taking the movie away. We're giving it to somebody else. They're going to reshoot half of it, change the whole story. What do you think? Cause I, I mentioned, oh, that was, I think, a point I made I didn't talk about was Kevin Feige. I, I brought him up and said that he's probably going to be brought into Star Wars to help Kathleen Kennedy because she's great. I think she's good at making movies. I don't think she's good at making universes. It's very challenging. I don't think. I think it shows you how hard, how difficult it is. That the fact that she's having to try to put out all these movies each year is too much. Yeah. And well, she's good at, like you said, the legacy series. But when it goes outside, she's not letting those filmmakers go off but the reservation. Just, she's like, no, 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 come back and make it or, more like this. Yes. And Be also safe. then safety and also just having to, that many productions going on at once, I think it was too much where Feige got to build it up slowly and build out these like five-year plans. Everything was more constructive. And... Some of it also is just the franchises themselves, like Marvel as an entire franchise. The the comics themselves are self-aware and have a lot of humor, so they poke fun whenever the yeah, continuity yeah, yeah. doesn't add up. They're, so they're always making fun of if something, if they change something radically, like Thor, they'll just be like, huh, where'd that character go? Huh, whatever, doesn't matter. And you're like, I'm game. I'm not going to judge this that harshly, but Star Wars feels like such a big deal. This is like... Or, you know, this is it. Yeah. This is this is the Super Bowl of movies, right? 
and there's no humor. The humor is hardly there. Yeah. And then there's hardly any self-awareness until The Last Jedi. And that's the one that people lost their shit about. It's funny. I was thinking about with the new Marvel movies, there's more female directors. And in the past, I, you know, you always get nervous. Like, oh, I hope it's really good so that Hollywood doesn't keep mm-hmm. using this as an example. Like, see, women mm-hmm. can't direct. You know, so you're, you're hoping and praying that it's good and it delivers. And with Marvel, I was thinking about it the other day with like The Eternals, I think is Chloe Zhao. And I was like, oh, I hope she does a good job. I don't really know her work. I wonder, And I was like, I'm sure it's we're safe. Marvel's a machine. They know what they're doing, you know? Because mm-hmm. you saw the Black Widow with Kate Shortland. Looks great. And you're like, yeah, Marvel's just a machine. They just pump them out. It doesn't, you know? But I, it's but a that's, real that's, testament to Feige, though. Here's the here's the. Here's I don't the like conundrum. that storyline, though. I don't like that storyline. No, and I don't think it is, though. This is, okay. this is what I was just going to bring up. That was what popped into my head. And talking about it now... Part of Feige's success is finding interesting filmmakers and letting them make their own movie. Somehow, he like somehow balances this machine and it's Marvel and it's Disney, mm-hmm. it's safe. But he also lets Shane Black make a Shane Black movie with Iron Man 3. Ryan Coogler made a Ryan Coogler movie. Taika Waititi made a Taika Waititi, you know. James Gunn. James we don't Gunn, have James very Gunn in much, our lives yeah. without, without Marvel. Guardians of the Galaxy is very much a James Gunn movie, right? Even And it's not like that happened. You know, Phase 3 is much more identifiable that yes. way of like uh-huh. letting people just run wild. But even that first Captain America doesn't look like any of those other Marvel movies. That has a real identity to it. You can see in the phases how different they like. This phase looks like this. So the first phase is more bright and shiny and new and fresh. Second phase is dark, dark world. Uh, Civil War, I think, is sort of part of that one, but definitely Winter Soldier. And then yeah. the third phase is zany. We're out there, and, we, and then it really goes like there's almost no there's look unifying as, mm-hmm. yeah thread, except for the Russo brothers doing all of almost all of them. But it's interesting that they can even still belong in the same universe to some extent. It's 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 quite a balancing act. But you get what I mean, where it's like these voices. You know, they didn't suppress Shane Black's voice to make him do... You know, he didn't have to not make a Shane Black movie anymore. I mean, I agree. And I feel like that's a critique of Marvel normally, people say. It's like, oh, they're not, you're just fitting into their model. And I think... I don't agree with it. I think... Yeah. We talked about this with Black Panther. It was interesting because... What was her name? Who was originally going to do it? Um, she went on to do A Wrinkle in Time. Ava DuVernay? Uh, Ava DuVernay, yeah. She the reason she left Black Panther was Marvel was more interested in having me make a Marvel movie than uh, Marvel making an Ava DuVernay movie, right? But then Ryan Coogler very much made a Ryan Coogler movie, you know. I mean, she didn't make an Ava DuVernay movie with Wrinkle in Time. No, I don't know. That was odd. Yeah, but I yeah I think they I think you get the freedom. There's certain things that Marvel says you have to do. And if you go, oh, I don't know, but I want to make everything, I want to make all the decisions. It's like, that doesn't happen with any studio. No, They're right, be exactly. like, There's some certain stipulations. You got to have an action scene here. This is, it's. If you're making a movie, you're upwards of $150 million. You have to make some exactly. sacrifices in it. And, you know. But j- the thing with Marvels is like, either way, you can go a little, like, they'll let you do take some risks if you're willing to take them because they know we're going to make a ton of money and there's already a built-in fan base it's interesting what happened that with is edgar very wright timed. yeah that is true edgar wright seems like he would have made a, a fine marvel movie there's nothing about his filmmaking style or 
or filmography that would lead you to believe what I can't imagine what he would have presented that they would have been like, eh, no, this is not, this doesn't work for us. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder where that went sour. I mean, it's not a good movie. So which the first Ant-Man, Ant-Man? It just feels like the Iron Man, but with Paul Rudd and, but what was, what, which movie was he presenting though? Probably. That's what we ended up with. I you think they I mean? probably went safer with that one. Yeah. It feels like, I mean, naturally. But how dangerous, you know what I mean? That's what I mean. He's not the type of filmmaker that's going to go so left field that you'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 way too risky. We can't do that, right? I mean, what would he possibly have pitched that they would have, I don't know. I don't have the answer. I wonder, was that before Feige took complete control? Remember that was an issue, was he was having to battle with the Marvel TV crew and people there he was having to you oh, never heard any know. of this stuff yeah, yeah but i thought that was just over the tv stuff i didn't know that i, it always think, affected I the think movies. that was that might have affected the movies oh. at first and then he got more once he got pro- proved himself they were like i don't know you're you're making all the smart calls so i still think that was before because i think Wright was butting heads with feige yeah yeah mm-hmm. i mean it could have also just had to do with because by the time you get to ant-man there's so many moving pieces on the board mm. for the Avengers leading up to that and everything that it might've just been too much of, we need you to do this and set up that. And he's like, no, come on. I just want to make a, I just want to make an Edgar Wright movie. I don't I remember anything in Ant-Man that, I mean, that would set up another movie. Though. No, not really. So Beyond Feige, that Ant-Man shows up in a, yeah. another movie yeah. later. <laughs> Feige now is going to do a Star Wars movie. I could see him slowly taking on more what do you mean like just maybe switching his responsibilities or helping the star wars brass take on the marvel model i thought that's what he's doing didn't he take over that isn't he gonna be in charge of the universe i don't think he's just doing a movie i thought i, thought was... It, I just was announced as a movie so far because oh. they still haven't they don't have like the full i think they're supposed to go over plans right after this releases this rise of the skywalker because they don't even know if they're going to do the trilogy with ryan johnson so i'm curious with feige yeah it's going to be really interesting to see because human beings have this feeling of well he did it the one time he can he can surely he can do it again he knows what he's doing Mm -hmm. but nobody really knows it like that's such a fluky miracle thing I'm, i'm not trying to take anything away from him but I feel like you are completely. No. You're like, eh, no. anybody could have figured it out. It, no, that's not what I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying. Hey, it's that anybody could hey, have. lucky. He's lucky. It's like, he's clearly not lucky. Every other I'm studio is like, he's lucky. we need a universe too. Oh, wait, ours fails completely. No. You're, Feige's lucky. He's just lucky. No, no, no. You're, you're misinterpreting what I'm saying. I'm not diminishing any. I don't think anybody else could have done what he did, but I don't think it's the type of thing you can just replicate because you did it once. Just like in sports. I don't think you could say, oh, well, you know, a team in basketball had a 73-win season. They can do it again. It's like, no, that's the type of thing. I like that you use sports, but I think you're actually using it incorrectly. (laughs) Really what's going to happen is Feige has discovered a new way of making, creating universes altogether. It's like a whole new playbook. What happens in the NFL or, or, or basketball when you have a new playbook? Right, right, right. It's only an advantage for a certain... He, the problem with what he's doing is other studios might eventually catch up and actually yeah. be able to figure this out. Now, they might not be able to because it's very big and bloated 
and they make so much money either way. So there's not, it's not like sports where you get ridiculed on Twitter and that causes you to, or you online and critics and things like, like it's, it's a little different with that with sports, but it's usually the sports because it's competitive and you want to win people who are imitate your style and take it, take parts of it that work. Yeah. And I think that'll probably be what's but, going to happen. And then he may get left behind in a way, right? Is is possible, right? That the next wave of Marvel won't be as successful and it won't quite come together and gel and I mean, and the work. Only and somebody th- else will take his model, like you're saying, yeah, and and double down and make it even bigger. Who knows, right? It's, yeah, that could happen. It could also just be that it's hard to find somebody who actually wants to do this, you know? Yeah. It might take a little while. Um, and the fact that he's already doing it is it to his advantage. I just think it's, you know that feeling in sports when there's a dynasty, there's a team, and we just think, oh, they're going to win. Like when LeBron went to the Heat and they were like six championships, seven, eight, that, that seemed realistic. It's like, yeah, probably, all right. Or remember with the Thunder with Duran and Westbrook and it just seemed like these guys will be winning forever. They're so young. They're so good. And they never won. And the Heat, you know, broke mm-hmm. up a few years later. And all of a sudden, the team's not there anymore. You know, I'm just thinking this is so complicated. There's so many moving pieces. I mean, even think about, again, I'm really not trying to take anything away from him because he creates the atmosphere where all of those pieces can, you know, be put in it where they could, there can be, uh, they can be synchronized to create this, this bigger than life thing. But like Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. If that casting is another way, does any of this happen? Right. I mean, there's so many things that have to go right. And he's managing all that. I'm not taking anything away, but a lot of that though, I feel like, cause I would, I would agree with you if the phases got, have gotten worse or yeah. have kind of plateaued, but they're actually, he's kept, the thing about him is they're getting way better. The yeah. more control he gets and the more uh, not confidence um, cachet he gets from each one allows him to take more bigger risks. He, it seems like he's always wanted phase three, but he needed to do yeah. all these other phases and kind of play it safe for a little while. And to prove people, I mean, there's that investors. it can all be right. connected, right? That That he can introduce characters that no one would ever introduced before and be like trust me i look i took the b team i took the b team and we won you know bigger than no one else won right those heroes are not the biggest heroes and he made them the biggest heroes in the world and the biggest property he kind of did the i never forget when i went to the world baseball classic and it was japan was like a bunch of guys that just singles and they barely hit the ball out of the infield they'd steal bases and they'd bunt and they'd manufacture runs and they were playing the dominican republic which was like albert pujols and David Ortiz and every like home runner, it was a murderer's row of home run hitters. You know, like it was the worst. You would no pitcher would want to face this lineup, and they lost to the Japanese guys. You know, mm-hmm. because they were just playing like really good fundamental baseball and team baseball. You know, I mean, I disagree with that term, but it's a, not a team sport. But that's true. I like what Bob Costas said. Right, it's an individual sport masquerading as a team sport is interesting because I think it, Feige going to Star Wars almost feels like him joining the Yankees after he just turned a franchise from, you know, the... It's Epstein, the, right? Or wait, did he start on the on the Red Sox? Yeah, but really young. But yeah, because like he might, with these characters, he might know like, oh, cut out this stuff. This stuff doesn't need to be in there. Let's add some self-awareness and humor. Let's, like that could be in there. Yeah. 
It will definitely be interesting. It's also interesting. We didn't even mention that Favreau is show running the Mandalorian mm-hmm. who, I mean, he beyond just Feige Marvel has so much to thank, you know, John Favreau's kicking it all off with Iron Man. True. Well, and then with that show, they're getting to try out all these other directors to see how mm-hmm. they would, how they work in the Disney system to then be like, all right, now you're, this is our minor leagues, which almost is the big leagues, basically. Yeah. They and look like you, movies. They have the exactly. budget of movies. Exactly. So yeah. then we're like, all right, now we'll make you have this, you get the tentpole movie. So now don't you think Feige coming in is going to be like, all right, we need, we're going to take, we're going to get riskier with the Star Wars franchise. Well, one we're not going to get a white guy. Wait, wait. Or we're going to get somebody like that you never expect and be like, hey, you get, yeah, you can do whatever you want. No, you're probably right. But in talking about the Mandalorian, that's another thing Marvel's doing that's going to be interesting to see for this next leg. How those shows do. WandaVision and Winter mm-hmm. Soldier and Captain America and all those, right? Falcon and Winter Soldier and Hawkeye. How are those going to affect the next movies? How well do those shows turn out? How do they succeed? I mean, this is going to be a really interesting next step, both for Star Wars and for Marvel with the Disney Plus shows. It's funny when not only is the content interesting, but now we're so cued in on the business yeah. aspect that it, that part of it is interesting. It makes it like a sports thing where you're like, oh, wow, but what does the future hold for this, for Disney and for Marvel and Star Wars and who are they going to? It would be really great if, I mean, I think what they must be counting on is that they make a movie that's so good, but it doesn't quite add up. And they're like, oh, if you really want to know what's going on, you got to watch WandaVision. You got to watch Hawkeye. And that people liked it so much, you know, Mm -hmm. that the internet could be picking it apart for so long, get so interested in it, that it makes people get Disney Plus and and watch the shows. No, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, what's happening in the meantime? You know, usually you skip ahead a little bit and you go, oh, I wonder what happened. Or you're like, why are these characters all together all of a sudden? They seem to be really romantic. What happened? And they're like, oh, you should have seen it. It was built up on the show. Yeah, it's a huge storyline. You go, oh, shit, I got to watch that. Yeah. It's like the behind the scenes. It's what I've always thought was like, sometimes Mm. I want to know what's happening when these characters aren't doing a huge big mission. They're just like living their lives. We started with what TV shows James Bond would watch, right? (laughs) Exactly. What's the in-between? Oh, we just saw an Underground 6 movie. Michael Bay, Mr. Visual. And I think of Abrams in the same kind of camp, who seems very... He definitely it thinks of story more. Yeah. It just seems like, to me, he he just steals stories from his... When he grew up, and was just like, I don't really care if I'm taking tropes and things like that. I'm not saying anything new. I'll just do these tropes and includes a few MacGuffins and people will get distracted by that and that'll be enough. But the visuals will be so great, you know, and there'll be certain moments they're like, whoa. But he is a really good writer too. He's a funny case to me because you know that thing I've told you where Spielberg, you know how he handpicked JJ Abrams and then he handpicked Trevorrow Mm -hmm. and he's like, they just reminded me of me at a young age. And both of them have those same Mm -hmm. black glasses. They do look a lot like him. Uh, and with Trevorrow, it's like, all right, Spielberg, you can't just keep picking people that yeah, look but, like you. But Abrams, they have a like, resemblance. Wow. But Abrams, like when I watch the movies, I'm like, wow, he really is kind of the modern day Spielberg. Like he really does have that same. But I think that's his, it's holding him back that Spielberg said that to him. Maybe I think he's trying to be Spielberg, and he's trying to he's literally taking Spielberg's like trying to do those same ideas, or he's just like, oh well, Lucas did this, so I'll do that too. Yeah, maybe. The one thing I've heard from him that you'll never hear from a Michael Bay 
uh, and speaking of visuals, on Star Trek Into Darkness, he regretted how many lens flares he used afterward. Why did he even do that? Why was that a thing? What? Lens flares? Yeah. They were very popular at that point. It was because uh, you could do, they. I think it was like the, the first digital. time you could do them digitally and they weren't in camera. And he just like kind of went nuts with them. Remember uh, Len Wiseman on Total Recall? And it's just. Yeah, but do people like that? Wasn't, wasn't that something in movies that it was like, oh, crap. Uh, some directors do. I think it's uh, subjective. Oh, okay. Die Hard has a lot of them. Huh. Lens, Die Hard is chock full of lens flares. Some of them we like. Some of them, it's kind of. Uh, do to we me, only like the real one then? Not as much the digital? No, I don't mind some of the digital ones. I mean, like I said in this new pre- preview for the Rise of Skywalker, when Carrie Fisher hugs Ridley, there's a really nice use of one that just kind of warms the frame. Hmm. It gives it this hmm. kind of halo. No, I, I don't. It's just overuse. Just like I oh, didn't yeah. have control over it as much. Yeah. It just was like, oh, this is fun. Oh, These is moving fun. things oh, coming in. And yeah. and a lot of times it's it would be blocking information you wanted to see. Uh, they can look really beautiful. They can be these kind of beautiful blossoms. I, the one thing I don't like about them is it it's sometimes a reminder of the camera and of the lens and the frame, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. You know, when the if the camera oh, gets yes, splashed yes. with water or dirt, you're just reminded like, oh, right, yeah. we're watching a movie. Or underground There's six. a lens. There's a wheel that goes through the, yeah. You know, I through that was screens. Children of Men. You know, there's that famous long shot and halfway through like dirt gets on the lens and I was always, it always like bugged the hell out of me. Because it just takes you out, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that was definitely the era. It was like Total Recall, the Len Wiseman, and then Star Trek Into Darkness, and everyone was just going nuts. I think it's the same way. Remember when we saw Jean-Pierre Jeunet and digital color correction had just come out? Mm, but I actually think he is critical of that now, saying it's too much. But I, I don't think I don't agree. I think it's like part of the movie's identity. Well, I don't agree with Star Trek that it's like... But a lot of great filmmakers who've made great movies that we love have regrets about them. I always find this fascinating. They're like, most of my favorite movies, if you talk to the filmmaker, they have all kinds of, there's battles that they fought and didn't win. There's things they wanted in that they didn't get. There's, I mean, I think it's hard to... Deleted scenes they want, you know what I mean? Because they're watching the movie. Again, I think. We saw yeah. that with Adam Driver. He can't watch his own stuff. He just... Yeah. Today, left when you were surprised by that, but that's pretty. Con- There's a lot of actors that are like that. Yeah, he left Terry Gross' interview because they were playing the clip of him in, uh, singing in Marriage Story. Really, and he just left the interview. No way, because he doesn't. He there. He's like doesn't want to see it. Wow. People were like, what? Why does he want to see his own self? And it's like, oh, I yeah, I understand, especially too, because then he could. He feels like it will influence. I don't think it's just a phobia of fear of seeing himself. I think it's also he's fears it'll influence his next performance and he'll be thinking about seeing himself. Huh. There is something also about, it's almost like a mushroom-like state where you take something and you're seeing yourself from a third point of view, but you're you're not actually doing that. Well, what do you think? Because when you take mushrooms and you go in that third state, you're not actually looking at yourself as you, as like a, like personally, like a, you're not emotionally connected. But when you're watching yourself on screen, you are emotionally connected. And you're like, why the, why the hell am I doing that? Why is that the look? That's Or you go... Why did the director choose that cut? I remember I did a better cut than that. You know, you, there's all these. He probably doesn't want to even. But you don't that. have to speak of this hypothetically. You've acted in a few shorts, and right now we're recording our voices to to tape. You've listened back to this, right? Do you ever thinking of it from that way? Do you get why he wouldn't want to? I think it's. I'm already a very self conscious person. Yeah, 
and I'm hypercritical and usually negative on what I'm doing and going, ah, I don't think that worked. But when I see myself on camera, usually it's better than I expect. So I'm usually going, oh, or I go, oh, I thought I was doing that right there and I wasn't. Huh. But he's probably such a good actor that he's always, he hasn't, to, to, if you pointed it out to him, it would make him worse. For me, it's like it makes me realize, oh, that's a good look right there. I nailed it. Perfect. I know that. That works. And the other one, I go, eh. Or I go, oh, wow, that looks actually very interesting, what I was doing, but I wasn't going for that. Sometimes I go, oh, I wasn't going for that right, mo- right, right. movement. That wasn't, I was trying to be swift and cool, and I came off kind of like a strange person. But so I if like, I, oh, could, I could, if yeah. what I'm hearing is yeah. you're so hyper self-aware that when you watch yourself, you realize, oh, I'm overly critical yeah. and I'm thinking of things that aren't, I'm not at like. I have the opposite. I've, I've blown this out of proportion mm-hmm. and that's not what actually other people are seeing. Whereas what he's doing as an actor is trying to get outside of his head, be in this other character's head. Mm-hmm. And so if he witnesses what he's doing and the t- decisions he's making and the choices, it'll actually put himself back inside his head and make himself more mm-hmm. critical and self-conscious, which is what he's trying to get away from because he's trying to become this other person. Whereas you're starting from a place of being so self-aware that what, seeing yourself actually takes you further away from that. Yes. If I may. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, there's also the difference of a trained actor and somebody who's sure. just kind of trying to be an actor in life. Right. No, I, that is the difference. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm not part of me. I'm like, I'm not sure if I could be somebody else. Like, I feel like I'm always going to be playing somebody. But to some degree, aren't I mean, I sometimes feel like I'm playing a character in life. Yeah. Right? We're putting on performances to some degree or another. Yeah, but do you think if you witnessed yourself, that would take you out of that performance and you wouldn't be able to do it anymore? No. Did you have other expectations of the picture going into this? Um, oh, I did want to read... So the, from the Lucas quote from his book in 83. Yeah, you mentioned that earlier. The third yeah. Star Wars trilogy he thought would focus on moral and philosophical questions. In Star Wars, there's a very clear line drawn between good and evil. So Jedi and the dark side and the Sith. Eventually, you have to face the fact that good and evil aren't that clear cut. And the real is- issue is trying to understand the difference. So the gray area which would make the series more c- complex and interesting. Like if I, in the next Star Wars f- series, they should have more than just Jedi and Sith. People who can control, yeah, yeah, use yeah. the force powers, they should have six factions because that's as, especially since we live on a planet where there's mul- so many divisions, right? Just even countries alone, right? And it's like now we have galaxies and yet we only have two sides, good and evil. It seems crazy. Yeah. But there's just that. That's it. It's all great. I mean, no, I think what it's what it can argue for is that you have to try to find a balance, and that going to either side is actually bad. Hmm. When we think of, oh, I'm all good. I'm like you get a. It's like a god complex, savior complex. This would be. You look down on almost everyone else for not doing what you're doing. If we all did what I'm doing then we would, it would be great, right? If I was, everybody was just helping each other, let's say. This would be a good message for our times now then, politically. Don't all be one thing or the other and 
There's no overlap. That's made in the middle. Or I think some of it is swing voters. We go. We think we're on the side of good, and we're 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 not. We right. think we're on the side of good, and that makes us say, we just saw in that report movie. They go, well, they keep every time somebody goes, we can't torture these prisoners. They say, well, what if we torture the prisoner and we get information, and then we stop another terrorist attack and save all those lives? That's how they guilt people into saying, we're doing this wrong thing, to prevent them from doing wrong things. Right. They didn't see the Denzel Washington movie, The Siege, clearly. Or their own reports from their internal reviews and investigations they didn't see either. Did you finish that? Did you watch that movie? Which? If we tear up the Constitution, even just a little bit, then they've won. They've already won. (laughs) (laughs) It's sad that that's in the 90s and then we had not. I know. Everything after. It's it's very interesting those movies. There's that and like Enemy of the State that you that seemed so unrealistic and and far fetched and you're oh yeah yeah and then like they happened. <laughs> we ended up with the technology of Enemy of the State and that's kind of surveillance and we then com- the siege unfolded almost as the movie did. You know, mm-hmm. I want to say we'll get back to the movie real quick. Yeah, I have absolutely no idea where this is going. This movie because I don't get how you wrap it up and conclude it. I mean, I feel like you'd always keep taking these characters and. These space operas. I don't see w- what would make this a closing chapter. You know what I mean? That this is the end. What? For, what? For this Skywalker. I mean, they said they might bring Ray and Kylo and all those people back later well, if they need to. But I think they mean like the whole Skywalker family, Jedi, Sith saga, good and evil. Oh yeah, hopefully it moves on from that. Endgame does a good job actually. Now that I'm mentioning it, of Feeling like a conclusion to something, not feeling like and bringing you guys are saying it's the end. But come on, we can do five more of these. Like it really felt like eh, it pretty much concluded this this chapter. You could do more of it. This felt like a pretty tight knit conclusion. This doesn't feel like that. This feels like it would have to. It's gonna have to jump up a lot of. I don't know. That's what I mean. I don't know what that would entail. Like it's funny what Ryan Johnson's saying is like I don't even know what I'm expecting. What what does the conclusion to this story look like? That's what he was saying. Well, no, what he's saying about like audience expectations oh, yes, and yes. like you, you think you want something and then you go in and if you get it, you're kind of neutral. I don't even know what I really want out of this movie, really. I just want to see Ray and <laughs> Finn back together again. And Kylo. And Kylo in the mix, yeah. See what, what he, him and Ridley got going on this time. He's really, I just remember from that first movie when he takes off the mask, he's so great at, he's so big. Yeah. And he, fe- his, his, face is big everything about his face is large and it's like it coming at you his face and he so when he's on the attack and he's looking at you like i want to kill you you're like holy fuck this guy's gonna kill me but then when he when she flips t- turns the tables ray goes into his mind he's able to look to look so small huh. which i think is very impressive which i was like oh shit this guy's good like he can appear weak and futile even he's in that huge body you know that's really hard to do it was Last Jedi that he kind of turned turned our uh, opinions of him around, wasn't it? Well, I mean, I was introduced. To, I didn't watch Girls, so I was introduced to him in Force Awakens. Thought he was great. I was like, oh, shit, this guy's really good. Then liked him in every... I don't know. Did you yeah. not? I I remember not liking him at first. And I remember, like, I not wanting to see movies. But you don't like movies. him because he was ugly. You were like, he's an ugly, big oaf. I don't like him. 
I, yeah, it's so funny because back then I was like, what a strange face. I don't want to watch that for two hours. Yeah. And now, you know, having, we just watched the report, Marriage Story, and you're like, what a fascinating face. You know? <laughs> Good thing he's in movies. What a face. Familiarity shows you how much a, an impact it can have. Yeah. There's a great shot in the report. It's like a, he's in the car and it's just his profile and one eye's mm. darkened. And yeah, you're just like, that's nobody else's face. That's his face. <laughs> But his face worked well. Like in Last Jedi, when I watched that preview, it worked so well in that world. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's a good point too. And you're right. It's like pointed and large. Right. He's like a Bane-like body when they show him in Last Jedi. Yeah. The only part I didn't like, I thought he got too too much at the end when he's trying to... When he, get, when he gets like emo- too emotional, it can seem... Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. I do remember that. I forgot about that. I think I had a similar gripe. The only issue, the only thing I would say is, was he kind he's of like trying, like what he's he's actually successful in what he they want him to do, but it's like I don't like to see him like that. Like, was he kind of like Liam Neeson at the end of Widows, at the end of Last Jedi? Little, but more like he just seemed pathetic, which is what they wanted him oh, to do. Right. Remember, he was like so so angry that Luke was back that he was like, ah, you know. But he, but there was a few moments that I laughed at him. Yeah. But I think you're actually supposed to laugh out of feeling like with what Ryan Johnson was how doing, lack of awareness he has. Probably was. Yeah, I'm sure that's what Ryan. It just Johnson's doesn't. It didn't for. set up a, an amazing, great final battle. But I, that's another thing. I think Ryan Johnson was probably trying to change it. I don't know. Sometimes it's like you try to you try subvert, to subvert. Yes, <laughs> you subvert the expectation, and then you end up, you know, giving us something that we go, well, that's doesn't work but like i said sometimes subverting it is clever and smart but it's not it doesn't end the result is not cinematic you know so, so I think it's it has not to effective work. dramatically i think it has to yeah it has to work with the story you've built it can't just be like well i want every time every scene i want to subvert everything so that's like that's the whole movie is about is subversion and then you're like well yeah it's it's a tool it's like it's like you can't pass on every play you know sometimes you gotta yeah, switch it up a little bit. You got to give with the, I don't know. Sports really doesn't work for this, these parts of movies, but that kind of those creative decisions. But. I had a sports analogy though, working in my head for it. It just felt like coaching. Like he was trying to subverting. It would be like let's just almost like play a different game, you know? Mm-hmm. Or you know what it'd be like? Now in the NBA, everybody's shooting threes. It's space and. Three and D guys. It would be like if somebody was just like, let's subvert it. We'll just do exactly the opposite. Sixers. The big men. All big men. No point cards. No small guys. No shooting. Everybody's shooting. We're not shooting. Or like what the Spurs are doing, right? Where Popovich is like, all right, well, if you're going to give us the 20-footer and defend the three, we'll take the 20-footer and And see if we can make those. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what happened to Ryan Johnson last Jedi, right? He took the 20-footer a bunch of times. He subverted the three and D. Again, I think it's execution. I like a lot of the decisions in that movie. It's just, I think so too. That's which is a testament to JJ, right? Which is like these movies are not easy to make. Love Ryan Johnson; he's one of my favorite filmmakers. But the smaller movies is not the same thing as a huge tentpole movie. There's a particular type of guy that can make those. You know, I just I really hope they get better writers for the next the next series. I want to see the movies that didn't have like the Lord and Miller solo. I would love to see. And the original rogue one. Like, so rogue one is still like my favorite of all these Star Wars movies. I really like, I just like the way it's shot. And I like Mads Mikkelsen and Ben Mendelsohn and these guys, you know, 
I wish, you know, in that first trailer, there's a whole different story when she's like, I rebel, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. In the new one, she's not a rebellious person at all. They completely stripped all of that, and the, it's like a completely different story. I just wonder where that first movie went, what that was like, even if it was bad. Like you were saying uh, on the last episode we did, these streaming services should use that to their advantage. What if you could do Rogue One, the initial cut, Rogue One, the theatrical cut, hmm. you know? Lord and Miller's uh, Han Solo and Ron Howard's Han Solo. And the Snyder Cut. And the Snyder Cut, yeah. We bought it from Warner Brothers. They didn't <laughs> want to release it, but we got it. Uh, right? Huh. Yeah. Yeah. It would be funny, too. I'm just picturing some back room at some bar, a bunch of cigars, you know, a lounge of some style, and Ron Howard is there, and Lord and Miller are there, and they got word from Disney Plus that, you know, their version got more clicks. Ours got more views than yours, buddy. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> as i started to describe that i was like this is starting to feel like the blame it on the alcohol music video remember with jamie fox yeah, yeah, yeah. jake gyllenhaal's in there for some reason ron howard comes out of the car and you're like this is quite a <laughs> group you've got you put together here who's the fourth you remember forrest whitaker he's in that pretty sure he's and in the that, blonde yeah. woman from into the blue remember mm-hmm. ashley scott that, that sounds right yeah. that sounds right Pretty random grouping of people. Well, I guess Gyllenhaal and Forrest Whitaker probably walked off the set of Southpaw. Hmm. Have they, has Gyllenhaal and Fox worked together? Jarhead. Jarhead. Yeah, there we go. Huh. I love that one. Oh. And it's, for some reason, I forget about it a lot. It only popped into my head because The I, world has forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. The world is like... Talk about, we'll talk about a subversive movie true that just says forget everything you know about war and war movies like although it does have some beginning of full metal jacket the first op- the, the first yeah half where they're just training it has kind of that element to it but full metal jacket doesn't feel like any other war movie either mm-hmm. you think yeah. it does yeah i say it do- no no i think it it doesn't oh it doesn't right yeah, yeah. i don't know if any war i don't know if war movies are if they're not focused strictly on battle, I don't know how they. Like does, I don't know. What do you define as a war movie? Star Wars? Star Wars. The preeminent war movie. It's actually the part of of this, of Star Wars is the war part as I don't, I'm not as interested in really. No. It's more know. the Western yeah. mm-hmm. elements or the, I guess the, the samurai elements. Yeah, which I think are both, yeah. I think they steal. Western steals from. Are you sure? I'm not sure about that. Wasn't. Oh, uh, yeah, you're right. Because like Yojimba becomes mm -hmm. the Wild Bunch or Seven Samurai becomes the Magnificent Seven, right? Yeah, okay. They might have gone in both directions, though. I wouldn't be surprised. No, you're probably right. You're listening to film history <laughs> with your historians. Well, because I feel like at that time, movies were going in a lot of directions, right? Because you have American John Wayne Westerns and you had the spaghetti Westerns in Italy. Isn't it before that stuff, though? Yeah, I guess it would have been. No, so you'd be right. I mean, yeah. 
Uh, either way, it's just a lone warrior standing up, mano a mano, dueling somebody. That's more interesting to me than the other stuff, the battles and. Even though, I mean, I guess in the like the video games, the armed conflict with all the little laser guns and all the cool mach- call the vehicles and flying ships is kind of cool. But I don't feel like I've ever felt like that. I've enjoyed playing the video game element of it. I've never felt like I've seen that on screen yet. It's usually like I'm like, why am I watching this right now? Why? Okay, who's who's fighting? I don't know the sides, and you're just seeing people talking about stuff. It's like game of very Game of Thrones. Did George Lucas direct all three of the Phantom Menace mm-hmm. series? Huh. He's got the strangest filmography. I doesn't add up to me. So he writes Indiana Jones. I think he. I think he just created it. I think he came up with the idea. That was a Lawrence Kasdan, who we talked about oh, on the right, Jumanji right. episode. Father of Jake Kasdan. And I think Spielberg. I mean, they're they're in there. They they're involved, but it's amazing to me. Oh, I was gonna say it was amazing to me. Like back then, George Lucas directs the first one, and then he has two guys that are not big directors take this such a valuable property in Hollywood. And it's like, all right, you, Irvin Kershner, whoever you are, right? You mm-hmm. direct it. And mm-hmm. then the third one, I can't even ever remember. I'm like. I'm a film nut, and I can never remember who did the third one. And uh, Return of the Jedi too. Yeah, I didn't like it. No, no, Th- that's what I mean. Though, how could Hollywood like let a property like that just be like, all right, guy, you mm-hmm. know, you you have this? And I was thinking that would never happen today. And then I was thinking, no, wait a minute, what am I talking about? They're like, Colin Trevorrow, you've made yes. one independent movie. Here, you take Jurassic Park and Star Wars for us, you know. Ryan Johnson, you made a little movie that nobody saw. Here, take the keys. You run with this, right? I mean, so I guess we are still doing the same thing today. I'm surprised with Empire. That guy who did Empire doesn't do the next one. Yeah. This is so monumental. That's the Or movie. have more of a, or th- that's the other thing is George Lucas doesn't make many movies after, and neither does that guy, right? His career stalls. I think he does like RoboCop two, and that's it. I mean, Ooh. and he fizzles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a, he gets to do the part twos of two big series, and that's it. Wow, RoboCop two. Thanks you for being included in Empire Strikes. <laughs> We're in the same conversation. <laughs> yes, finally. I'm a sentient sequel. <laughs> <laughs> I have feelings. Thank you for this compliment. <laughs> so. Wrap it all up. Any predictions for what you think this? No, I how you think I this? No will... idea where the hell this is going. I think it looks really good. I'm, I liked Force Awakens. I'm happy JJ's back. I'm excited to see it. Definitely for me, the elements that seem like Return of the Jedi, going on like that jungle planet. I think there's going to be a new like, what are they called? Ewoks or whatever. The f- something like that. Yeah, there's going to be something like that. That's, you know, this playing on that cuteness factor and then i think there's going to be oh cp3po is so emotional he's with his friend like that whole part in the preview with oh we're friends you know and you're like no you're not you've hardly been in this series the only reason you're here is because you're like part of the lore like you really haven't contributed anything i love in the spinoffs 
Rogue One and in Solo, they both have their own CP3O droid, but they actually make them more interesting. One yes, like doesn't yes. have a filter and he actually has personality yes. and he's humorous. And then there's like a love story in Solo, right? Uh, Donald Glover is like in love with his C3. And you're like, these these are more interesting mm-hmm. droids, but they're in the past actually. <laughs> the but droid technology has gone backwards. It's like what happened with Tokyo Drift yeah. because that movie was made before, but takes place after. And so... They're using flip phones in that. So theoretically, Fast and Furious advances in technology and then goes back to flip phones. Oh, another sequel that's very happy that you're bringing up in this <laughs> conversation of Star Wars. It's like I mean, this is the spiritual sequel podcast. It's yes. all we do is give love to sequels. Under, but now they're sentient. Undeserved, we had to change unloved. The, the podcast name to Sentient Sequel. The sequels are coming for us. <laughs> They've gained sentience. Any last thoughts before we go and see the movie? I'm not getting in that line three days in advance. Let me tell you, people are already lined up. We'll probably end up seeing it separately. I'm probably, I think I'm going to see it oh. during the break. All right. So we got uh this one's coming out. We got Jumanji just came out. We're going to have underground six coming out. Six underground. I think I call it underground six every time. I, I do too. It, it rolls off the tongue more, but then it also sort of sounds more like a Harriet Tubman involved. It does, right? Yeah, if she had like, a super group, if yeah. she had her own Avengers, Harriet Tubman, Ava DuVernay's newest <laughs> Netflix, <laughs> yeah, documentary, Underground Six, right? Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, Six Underground was not the right title for that movie. What would be the right title? Ghosts, or I feel like we thought of the right title. Magnet Man? I, <laughs> I like how usually when we're going to come up with a title, we just take two words from within the movie. Like it's like Facebook. We're just like Magnet Ghosts. Yeah. No, wait. Billion. No. <laughs> Aviation Gin. The movie. Yeah. <laughs> Commercials. The movie. 2,000 ads. Deadpool Unmasked. Or the, no, the, the movie could be called... Stream will continue after these commercials of these ads. <laughs> I, I just one last thing. We've, we've, we've given our two cents about Last Jedi, but I do remember seeing the preview and thinking, I don't want to see this, and just seeing it kind of out of obligation more than anything, right? Last Jedi. Yeah. Because like the I like Ryan Johnson. Good, yeah. And I thought I thought it was. Oh, I got to see what he does with it. But I'm like, man, I'm really not excited to see this. Yeah. Like, I really don't want to even. No. You know? No, no, no. Not at all. This one, I don't feel that way. It's kind of cool, too, actually, that the series lulls with Last Jedi because now it's kind of a redemption story. It's like if your team... I mean, we've been doing a lot of sports analogies. If your team gets to the finals and loses, and then the next year... Yeah, that's true. I really want them to win. They have to beat that other team. And you you read all these exposés from all these sports... Yeah. journalists telling you what went wrong and you're like wow that's so interesting oh my god this is corrosive we, we needed to start over oh right god. all the drama in the locker room all the players have given their now we're really insulting <laughs> ryan johnson sorry ryan. we love you stay away from star wars yeah we do love you don't do that other series your teeth too original he doesn't need yeah. to use characters that have been created right like most people i'm like play in that sandbox ryan johnson i'm like no dude you are really good in your own sandbox you work in your sandbox yeah Keep playing with Create your own yeah. sandbox. Make the walls. Create your own Star in. Wars, really. 
Yeah. You, were, you just did that with Agatha Christie. You created your own version. Right. Updated. Exactly. Exactly. I guess you could say that he's going to do that. That's the potentially positive for the next Star Wars if he makes his own trilogy. He's doing his own series. Or whatever he does. Is like, oh, well, he has complete freedom and he'll go in a new direction, a new world. And everything. I guess. He's not, he doesn't have to think of the Skywalkers and all that stuff because he seems to not like that part of it. True. Um, it is interesting that the filmmakers are kind of battling each other out like nostalgia and they're like fuck nostalgia and then now it's back like nostalgia again <laughs> nostalgia will win out is this third one nostalgia i don't know what this one yeah is. no i don't think so it doesn't look know. like that no it could be the third thing but it, it does feel like he's like fuck that last movie <laughs> in every direction it went in he has been very diplomatic though like everything i've seen in the press is not it's, not the people in the movie the Boyega, actors? Boyega was like, I don't like the last movie. No. Yeah. Well, he got screwed the most. Yeah, yeah. His storyline is the worst. He gets what a disservice that movie did him. No, the, some of the other actors don't like the, the storylines and the way the direction went either. But J.J. Abrams has been very diplomatic about explicitly specifying. It's funny because he kind of does it under He mm-hmm. acknowledges that it wasn't good, but he's like, but I'm happy. I mean, I already said this. I'm happy they made this. It forced me to make some interesting choices I wouldn't have made and to shoot it a little bit differently than I would have wanted to shoot it, you know? But it it really just sounds like what he's saying is, I was going this one direction and would have continued going down that direction. He took us back oh, right, to where right. we started. Oh, so now or, if it's bad, you can blame him. <laughs> he made me do a bunch of stuff I wouldn't no, want to No, 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 no. I think he's just, he wouldn't have made any changes at all. He wouldn't have changed movie to movie. But then Ryan Johnson made all these changes, so now he has to change all of them, revert them back to the like this whole movie is just gonna go back to the Force Awakens. It's gonna be a circle. Yeah, yeah. Instead of being like new ground or something, or go in a different like branch off from it. It feels like he's just like, I'm gonna return back to where I was at the Force Awakens. From the trailer, it doesn't seem that way. But no. I and I gotta say, Colin Trevor, I'm so happy he's not doing it. I mean Yeah, that would be that's no way to cap this series. Although I guess Return of the Jedi, like we said, uh, ended uh, with we can't even we, who who knows who directing it. So I definitely feel like I'm in better hands with JJ and don't really care if it's the same story again. No, like I didn't care about that really that much in Force Awakens, even though I thought those were weaker elements that it copies the New Hope. Like we see remakes to horror movies and they'll repeat same elements from the 1980 version. Yeah but they'll just update them with better effects. And I don't, I'm not usually like, oh, oh, this is the worst. How could you not do anything new? I'm like, I get it. I get why you could be a little upset, but it's like also there's enough differences or there's. It's an updating, that, yeah. whatever. The ca- We like the cast. The cast is fresh and vibe. And yeah. Hey, what, one question before we go out. Daisy Ridley, interesting Hasn't really done much else. Yeah, I think she's so talented. I don't really feel like that's ever translated in anything except this. And I watch her in the, these trailers. And I go, wow, she's so good. And then I'm like, man, it's really odd that she just hasn't, doesn't work anywhere else. Yeah. It's I will just, say when I saw her, like I met her in person and I, she's so different than Ray mm-hmm. that I kind of get it a little bit. But at the same time, it's like, well, if that, if she can be that on screen, if that's her screen persona, somebody else must be able to, True. Utilize that to package it. I I wonder if she's just gotten to, because we didn't know who she was, it's like burnt into our minds that she's that character. 
Or is she another Luke Skywalker? I mean, he doesn't do anything else. True. I hope not. I did, it was ballsy, I feel like, to have her as the star. Yeah. Of have a, a, like a small, like that seems like they could have been super critical to yeah. make your new Luke a girl. To make her a nobody. Yeah. Even though I guess that part was added from Ryan Johnson. Oh, 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 that kind of nobody. I thought you meant an actress we weren't familiar with. Oh, yeah. An unrecognizable actress. All right. I think we should see the movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, that's enough. That'll be a wrap. The sequel discussion to be continued. <laughs>